Hello and welcome to Alvarado on Action, a podcast that's all about Mac football and not Mac football. I'm Alex Alvarado. Thank you for joining again today. Today, if you're listening to the day it comes out, is Wednesday, 21st of April. 134 days till kickoff. Nice Thursday night football to get us started in 134 days from now. Uh, I do have three positional previews that I want to get to. Uh, I kind of have been doing like one each episode ever since, you know, the conception of this thing. And the last few episodes, I haven't done too much of positional previews. Maybe the O-line versus D-line thing. Uh, I kind of just kind of bunched a bunch of things together right there to kind of speed things up there. Uh, Because there's no way I'm going to focus on 12 groups of offensive linemen and 12 groups of defensive linemen and then spread them out over episodes. No way I'm going to focus too much on that. So I'm probably going to do more of the same. I'm thinking I might do something, something, I haven't figured out what, but something with tight ends. I have a few things in mind, but nothing set in stone. But I do have three positional previews around the Mac that uh, may or may not be getting settled out in the spring seasons at their respective schools. We got the Kent State receivers, we got Eastern Michigan's quarterbacks, we've got Ohio's defensive secondary. All of these are there's actually really no theme to them. They're they're just three three position groups that I haven't gotten to yet. Uh, I kind of want to get to now because, you know, there's some there's just a lot of question marks that I have about all three of them. Let's go with that. There's a lot of question marks that I have. Kent State, obviously the big loss that they have is Isaiah McCoy. But they got the Syracuse transfer, who's really good. They still are playing in an offense that can, that retains all of its starting offensive linemen. Still has Sean Lewis as his head coach, now entering his fourth year. Still has Matt Johnson as the running back coach. But you know what? He was, I mean, he was, uh, he holds the max single season passing record. So it de- definitely helps having him as you know, just the coach on the sidelines, even if he isn't the quarterback coach. Um, Dustin Crum, he's the quarterback, though. He's entering uh, his, I think it's his super senior year, too. Could have gone pro after this year, but he decided to come back for another year of eligibility. The receivers, though, you know, they lose Isaiah McCoy, but they do retain a lot of other guys that were starting to have breakouts last year and are, you know, obviously poised for more. They only played in four games last year, and... It'll be nice to see what 12 games of those guys look like because we only got to see them against pretty bad teams. We just got to see them against bad teams. It's hard to learn if you're only going up against the East. You know, moving to Eastern, though, obviously we know Preston Hutchinson's the quarterback. Roster changes always happen. Uh, Eastern's pretty good about getting a transfer or two, you know, with some sort of consistency. It seems like pretty much every year Creighton's gotten a freshman to sign and a transfer quarterback to come in, uh, whether it was a grad transfer, whether it's a junior college guy, um, whatever the case may be, Creighton seems to add youth and experience to the quarterback room. And it also adds competition to the top, which is the most important thing. And Ohio, the same deal, like I said, with Kent State, where Ohio not only had the reduced schedule, but it got cut cut in half, basically, with only three games played in 2020. That Ohio secondary had a lot of experience, but it had a lot of fifth-year seniors that could have come back, and some of them initially chose to come back but are not currently on the roster. That's impacting the secondary 
uh, so is the transfer portal. You know, and there's, and Ohio's generally just not the greatest um, at just always having a great next man up. There's always someone still developing, and there's always probably, you know, someone on the field that maybe isn't. Ohio is just a team that's generally just young. You know, it always has to recruit players that want to stay and develop and aren't always guaranteed to see the field their freshman or sophomore years unless they, you know, really, really excel, right? And Ohio's defense doesn't have too much of that. They did have Jet Uled last year. They still have him, and I think he's he might be – he's one of my favorite players on the defense, I'll say that. But is, is this Ohio secondary – good enough to call it a strength of this team is this ohio secondary gonna keep games within reason for ohio to threaten for an east race or threaten for their shot in the east you know what i'm saying i'll get to all that in one second but just really quickly just want you to follow this podcast if you're not already hit it up on apple spotify stitcher google whatever i don't i don't know how you listen to podcasts these days i know what i use I already listed it. You just use whatever app that you use to to uh, to subscribe to this thing. Follow along on social media if you want. And if you really like me, uh, head over to Patreon. Patreon.com slash Alvarado on Maction. That's going to get you some perks. I'll tell you what they are actually at the end of this episode because I have an update on that front. But let's get into the Kent State wide receiver discussion. If Kent State's branding of itself as the flash fast program is going to work, it has to work through its receivers. You can have speed at any position on the field. You can have speedy quarterback. You can have linemen that can move up that. You can have linemen that move up field speedy. You can have corners that go sideline to sideline. Linebackers that go sideline to sideline safeties that get in the backfield before you even realize that they were even close to the line of scrimmage. But none of it matters if wide receivers aren't fast and awesome at the same time. Because receivers are fun, right? Receivers are the fun position. There's four of them out there. There's five of them out there. There's three of them out there. Sometimes there's only two of them out there. But some of your favorite players of all time, and I'm I'm talking to you as the listener because... Everybody's got a favorite wide receiver. You have a favorite wide receiver. I have a favorite wide receiver. We have multiple favorite wide receivers. If you could have a dream team, Maxion or not, if you could have a dream team of your favorite wide receivers of all time at their peaks, how would you line them up? Don't don't, don't tell me, or do tell me if you want to. But, But really quickly, in your head, I got Calvin, I got Randy... I got me some Julian Edelman. I'm just kidding. But there's there's so many good wide receivers out there that, you know, I, I don't know who your favorites are. Maybe it's the Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, maybe, you're, maybe you're a weirdo and you really like Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice, by the way, not a fantastic wide receiver. <laughs> like, yeah, he's got all them yards. Yeah, he's got all them records. Yeah, he's got a bust in Canton. But, like, man, you ever watch his highlights? Like, what's the best play that Jerry Rice... Like, what's his greatest physical attribute other than the fact that... I don't know, man. He's got... He's got decent... He's got really good speed. 
No, he doesn't. No, he ran like a five-second forty. What am I talking about? He's not fast at all. He had like a he had like a three-inch vertical on a hail mary once. Subscribe for more Jerry Rice slander if you want. Kent State though, Kent State's not recruiting the next Jerry Rice. They don't want the next Jerry Rice. Instead, they'd rather have, you know, guys that can come through locally or come through uh, through their pipeline in Georgia or D.C. and hopefully come in and make some plays. They're not going after, you know, <laughs> the freaking guys that run five second forties. Jesus Christ! I can't believe Jerry Rice, man. Like, it's, it's it does not make sense to me the the, the career that he had. Ah, oh, man, I don't understand football before I was born. Jerry Rice did play while I was alive, by the way. Like, like I'm not that young. I'm almost 30, but I'm, you know what I mean. His important years are way behind me, is what I'm trying to say. Kent State's receivers aren't always as big as McCoy. Some of them are, like Dante Cephas, he's got some height on him. But some guys end up being, you know, just like all your other Mac receivers, about 5'11", 180, 174, you know, somewhere in that area. Kent State, the way that they play their receivers is much different than anybody else. You know, they really, really like to get the speed element going with them. Uh, they are geared for for yak plays differently than receivers from other schools. You know, I kind of brought up Matt Johnson earlier, but, you know, when he had his really big year, one of the things that, you know, there's a there's a group of people that really wanted Matt Johnson to be in serious consideration for the Heisman because he was putting up all them pass yards. Like, that was supposed to mean something. Uh, to an extent, it does. Like, that is a lot of production that he was doing. But the passing tree that he was going to, to even to Roger Lewis, even to receivers that are Honestly, three times better talents than what Kent State has right now. But even the, to those receivers at Bowling Green at the time, who were generally older, generally better better athletes, the passing trees were still very limited. Like, threw some slants, had some nines, had some screens, and a shovel to the to the fullback. Not a whole lot else. You know, they didn't really ask a lot from of Matt Johnson outside of that. And I'm I am oversimplifying the hell out of it. But they it was a very simple system and they're bringing a lot of the same approach in this Kent State offense where they're keeping things easy with Dustin Crum. They're not asking these receivers to run, you know, 40 different routes on 30 different options. They get the ball and go. That's that's pretty much it. That's the play that they run. And so Isaiah McCoy's gone though, and he was he was a reliable target for Dustin Crum to utilize to stretch the field, you know, on the vertical game. You know, in a, in his three seasons, 123 catches, 1700 yards, 1750 to be exact. That's 14.2 uh, on average. 16 total touchdowns. He kept being a touchdown machine. Uh, three as a freshman, eight as a sophomore, five last year in four games. This year, you know, they returned Dante Cephas, who only had 11 catches, but uh, Jashan Polk and Isaac Vance, uh, those two, in my eye, they had a really good breakout season. You know, combined, they had 44 targets, which 
and, and they were second and third in targets on the team last year. They both had a combined 22 first down pickups and three total touchdowns. Uh, that's that's really good for guys that I hadn't heard of before 2020. You know, and if those guys, you know, and they were they were really, really fast. They made a lot of plays from screen plays. You know, they made a lot of plays from just slants. You know, they don't require a lot. Their speed is really, really good. And I, I saw that, like, even between those two, they only had one drop pass last year, too. And that even comes, like, if you if you even watched the Bowling Green game, like, that game was wet as hell. Like, they didn't have a lot of great conditions to play in, and still they made a lot of good plays. So I'm excited to see, you know, just a full game, see a full game, a full season out of those guys and what kind of production that will look like. I don't think it'll be too much of a difference, especially if Nakim Johnson, the uh, Syracuse transfer, super, super speedy, doesn't have the same size as Isaiah McCoy at all. Isaiah McCoy was... 6'3", 200. Nikim Johnson is 5'8", 170. But they can still stretch the field in the same way, right? It's not going to look the same because Isaiah Isaiah McCoy obviously has the height difference on a lot of corners that Johnson's not going to have. But Johnson's still going to be able to burn some guys, right? Like, if he can win off the line of scrimmage and beat guys deep on nines, it'll be game over. And especially if, you know, he was an all... ACC kick returner last year. As a kick returner and a punt returner, he was really, 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 really electric. If he can help get Kent State into better field position and kind of shorten the field to start with, that will keep Kent State going in the direction it wants to stay in, which is, take it for whatever it's worth, led the nation with 49.8 points per game last year. Overall pulse check on Kent State's receivers. I mean... It just sucks because like we just didn't get to see a lot of them last year. I do like. I am optimistic of this receiving group because I like what I saw of them last year, and I expect them to field a lot of speed where a lot of defenses just won't be able to make up the ground in a lot of cases. You know, I expect that to be the case. But some, but some of me wonders like, sure, Nikim Johnson should have the speed that that McCoy didn't have, right? But how much will the fact that there's not the same 6'3", receiver out there, you know, how much will the size disadvantage play a factor if that does at all matter? But overall, I think Kent State, you know, should still be able to roll through some of the easier parts of the schedule, with especially with this position group, I mean. But how how it's going to line up when you know when they play up against really really good secondaries or even just decent secondaries Miami Buffalo I don't know how how things are going to look against them so uh it'll be interesting but the best thing that they have going for them is that Dustin Crumb's coming back for his third starting season All right you ready for you ready for a take you ready for a take This isn't really much of a take. Uh, Eastern Michigan's quarterback room, I don't see it as a strength for the team. I currently don't see it as a strength. Last year was a nice, you know, this is what Preston Hutchinson is in a half season, first year as a starter. He beat Western for a second time, but I don't think he played out of his mind. There, he, he still made a lot of mistakes in that game. 
still Pretchen Hosenson. He's expected to be the starter again as a redshirt junior above Chris Kaminsky, above Baron May, and above Aaron Jackson, who who actually changed positions last year from quarterback to tight end. I didn't notice that until like he lined up with gloves last year in the middle of the game. I was like, wait, what what happened there? What what the heck? Uh, ben Bryant, I guess like that's the big name that you might need to that if you haven't heard yet. He was the Cincinnati backup, transferred in in the winter. He's already getting reps with the ones and twos right now. I went to the spring game. I saw the two of them side by side. It wasn't it wasn't like a traditional spring game. It was just you know, just a weird setup really. Just an open practice. Very relaxed. I didn't see the best reps out of these two quarterbacks. Looked like Ben Bryant is the type of quarterback who is willing to take more throwing risks downfield. I don't know if that's like a just practice thing or not. I don't know if he's different in game. But, I mean, watching some of the highlights and some of his game, game film that I could find online seems to be true to form. Because that I mean, he made a lot of daring throws in games that he played in in high school and in college a little bit. Physically, I think he's just a better thrower than Preston Hutchinson. Uh, Hutch did not impress me, especially on deep throws either. He didn't excel in that game. Last year, he was a 63% passer, 1,600 yards, so 8.4 yards per attempt, 12 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. Preston's number also got called a lot in the run game. Uh, running a lot of read option plays, had 60 official carries, 262 yards, so only like three and a half per attempt. Had eight rushing touchdowns. Let me say that again. Preston had eight rushing touchdowns last year. Uh, had three fumbles. Uh, per PFF, he had 1.97 yards after contact on average. Uh, so, hey, that those are numbers. They're not huge numbers, though, and that's kind of the thing that, that depresses me. There was just a lot of plays where, I don't know, Preston did not seem like he was just a very good decision maker out there, at least not with consistency. He was probably consistently inconsistent, I'd say, and that is a big, big problem. Ben Bryant might be physically a better option at quarterback, but this is his grad transfer year. I don't know if it'll be enough time for him to, you know, gel with the offense to earn the trust of, you know, not only the offenses, the offense with the receivers and the offensive linemen and such, but even with the coaching staff too. You know, I don't know how much they're going to want to balance out using 10 and 8 out there. You know, I don't know if they're going to run into an Ohio situation where they want to use the running quarterback here, the throwing quarterback there. And just kind of kind of do things that way. The same thing, same way they kind of did it with like Uyghurs and Tyler Glass or Tyler Glass, Mike Glass. But even then, that doesn't make sense because the passing quarterback. Well, I guess it still would make sense. I don't know. Still, I think Hutchinson still has a lot that he needs to prove as a passer. I don't. I don't want to say that he kind of hit his peak there. I don't want to say that like he's kind of set a ceiling for himself as a passer. I don't want to say that, you know, we already saw him at his best. But I don't... I don't know, man. I just... 
I just haven't seen the consistency out of him as a quarterback. Yes, he had the really nice surprise game against Western in 2019. After that, he hasn't thrown 31 for 36 in a game. He hasn't done that since. I think one thing that I was just kind of surprised about with this quarterback room as a whole is the departure of Jairus Grissom and not really using him all that much. He was he still might be one of the best athletes that Creighton's ever recruited to Eastern, but could never make it work with him as a quarterback. Really didn't try too much with him, at least not on game days. I don't know. It sucks to see Grissom gone. He's in the portal. I don't know if he picked a school yet. I'll have to find out after I'm done recording this. But Grissom was a tremendous athlete. I think he's definitely a better athlete than Hutchinson in my eye. And it just kind of sucks to see that, you know, Hutchinson, who in my eye is not as good of an athlete as Jairus Grissom, uh, was the quarterback and Grissom was not because there are definitely a lot of plays where, definitely a lot of times where I thought Grissom could have made better plays, but at least physically. As a decision maker, I don't know. I Again, I just haven't seen the game day reps from Grissom at the quarterback spot to know, even though that they tried him out at receiver, tried him out at running back, but they just didn't try him out enough at quarterback, I don't think. And so it just kind of sucks to see him go because that's it's a lot of what could have been with him. It's a lot of what could have been. Last position group. Not going to go too long with it. Ohio's secondary. Just don't know too much about it. Uh, they're losing three guys. Marlon Brooks. Oh, man, I hope I'm saying this right. Ilias, Ilias Motley and Xavier Motley. Uh, the two twins at corner and a safety, Marlon Brooks, who didn't play. I don't think he played at all in 2020. Motley brothers were redshirt seniors that were initially set to come back and for whatever reason are just not on the roster. I don't know if that'll change. Hopefully it does because... If they're not back on the team, then they're missing a starting cornerback for sure. You know, they're guys that played in over 30 games. Ilias is the guy that actually got some starts. He started all three games last year. I think he started all of 2019 as well. Don't quote me on that. Uh, the other starters that they have came, coming back, they have Jameson Collier, 19 tackles. Justin Burchett, 7 tackles last year. Jaron Hampton with 11 I kind of want to rope in Jet Hulad. Uh, he's a sophomore this year, got, had 11 tackles last year, led the team with a couple interceptions and a couple pass breakups. You know, Ohio is definitely, I was trying to say it earlier, Ohio is one of those places where they get guys that are not high recruits out of high school young, which means their redshirt freshman year, their freshman year, and their sophomore year really, really geared to developing. Like, really, really has to focus on developing. And hopefully you can see the field by the time you're juniors. Hopefully you're really good as seniors, and hopefully you're at an all-MAC level. And if we get enough guys that are at an all-MAC level by the time they're juniors and seniors, then we'll make a run at an East title. Sometimes they get guys to see the field their sophomore years, evidenced by Elad. Elad, Jesus, I don't like that. Elad, you know, Nathan Rourke was young. AJ Ouellette, he saw the field as a freshman. They don't get enough of those guys, though. They don't get a lot of those guys. Uh, Javon Hagen, Super Bowl champion. They don't get enough of those guys. 
Jet Elad might be pretty good. We'll have to see if he's a superstar in the making, uh, at least in Athens. But I don't know if they have enough guys that, you know, are all Mac caliber defensive backs. You know, and I don't know if they'll be able to stop, you know, a, a group I just talked about a little bit ago. I don't know if they'll be they'll be able to slow down Kent State's wide receivers. I don't know if they'll be able to... I don't even know if they'll be able to keep up with Miami's receivers. Miami's receivers are actually pretty good, or at least have some at least have some talent. I don't know if they can stop a one. Can they stop Jack Sorensen? Can they stop an X? I don't know. We'll all have to find out later on this season. I just... I'm just weary. I'm just weary on where Ohio's at. Like, you tell me. Do you think that Ohio's secondary is a strength? Do you think Ohio's secondary is a strength of this team? And if not, where is the strength on this team? If the Motley guys are for sure gone, they are definitely going to have to find a, uh, a new starting cornerback. They have, I don't know, they have options. My, my favorite personal option would be John Gregory um, because his, uh, his middle name is Heisman. And, we, well, we need that out there. We just need John Heisman Gregory out there on the field. So, so that's my pick. Just for no reason, just his middle name's Heisman. But I think I'm just going to wrap it up there. I'm just going to keep it simple with the three positional previews really quickly. Again, thank you for listening to another episode of Alvarado on Maction. Do this pod about a couple times a week, so make sure you're subscribed and follow along. Uh, I like to have someone on every once in a while. I'll talk to my buddy Scott. You'll hear him again uh, on the Sunday. Yep, on the Sunday episode. I record on Saturday. So make sure you're following along on the social medias, on the podcast following app, whatever you do. Uh, And if you really like this, uh, consider following along. Recommend this podcast to a buddy. Throw me a five-star review on the internet. And I do have a few things on Patreon I do want to talk about really, really quickly now that I got you at the end. If you donate to the show, you will be credited in all the episodes notes, or at least in the episode descriptions, I should say. I am changing up the perks though. One of the things that I saw a show that I like a lot, Split Zone Duo, something that they're doing that I'm gonna try here. Uh, I'm gonna send you all a, my my notes that I use for all my episodes as well, because there's a lot of detailed information that I don't say out loud, but I feel like it's still good information to where if you Mac nerds really like it, then it'll still be useful information, especially with these previews um, where I focus on each each position, team by team. There's still good information that you might find useful for, you know, if you're not invested into it right now, maybe, you know, a few months from now when the season starts heating up, you're like, hey, uh, this, was, this was covered over on the podcast. I don't want to listen to it, but I got some notes right here. So something for you to look forward to. I'm going to send those out. Uh, with each episode as those come out. Also, I was going to wait to release the Discord. I'm actually going to release that to the streets pretty soon, but I will have a separate channel within the Discord, which will be available for everyone, but one channel will not be available for everyone. It'll be just for uh, Patreon backers. And long-term goal there is to have good conversations, of course, but I also want to have like special guests join that one as well. Maybe do like an AMA that sort of thing. Just a long-term goal. But thank you again for checking us out, and I will talk to you all again on Sunday.